welcome back to another episode of In Depth. My name is Luke Hardacre and I'm a surf coach at Ombi. If you're new to Ombi, we take a look at surfing from the perspective of ocean, mind, body and equipment. This week, I'm still continuing on this theme of movement and moving efficiently. And the previous week was all about creating a connection between your upper and your lower body. And a couple of weeks ago, it was about learning to surf skate and just get that foundations of moving. So this week is the traps that a lot of intermediate and beginner surfers and surf skaters are going to fall into. And a lot of the same things that you try on a surf skate are gonna do the same thing in a surfboard. It goes hand in hand. So I wanna kind of correct those things and give you some pattern interrupters and an understanding of some of these topics. For a lot of surfers, the idea of doing a turn better comes down to this idea of pushing harder or doing something harder. But I want to change that for you because power is an illusion. You're not fighting the wave. You're trying to flow with it. Instead, if you want to do something better, I want you to think move more efficiently. This is connected, like I said, to the previous episodes, improving your technique and style, how to improve your surf skating, the bottom power zones. It's connected to so many different things and it's all about moving it more efficiently. So they all have something in common and I want you to try and take that away. If you go back and listen to them, read over those guides. As always in the full show notes, there will be a link to this guide and that will also have some links to the other guides previously as well. But what does that mean? And what are these traps that most surfers are falling into? And there are a few of them. I'm just going to list out three. There's more to this, but for today, these three are the main ones that we're really going to focus on about how to move more efficiently. And that's not understanding power and movement and where that comes from, trying too hard and overpowering the wave. Power and movement then. And you may have heard this before, the back foot must always be on the tail pad and turn with more power. You just have to push harder on the tail pad. That's just, it's a bit wrong. And like always, there's nuance, there are times, but only think about this and break it down a bit. If you do that, if you just slam hard on the tail, what message are you sending to your board? If you think back to last week's, how you're sending signals to your board with your feet, Take out the prospect of doing a turn and just think about trimming, picking a line, going straight. If you stand on the tail and push harder with your back foot, are you not just going to make your surfboard do something like a wheelie? Yep. You're going to lift the nose and the board's going to drag. As I said before, as always, there's nuance to surfing, everything based on what you're trying to do, where you are on the wave, what you're riding. There are some occasions where this may be what you want to do based on that nuance, but for most intermediates, they're not. This is not something they want to do. It's not about pushing harder through a turn with your back foot. You don't want to drag the board. So you might be sitting there thinking then, Luke, what's the bloody situation then? How do I solve this? And that is quite simple. That's to use your rail and to move more efficiently. Sounds simple. It's a bit harder than that. But if you put this into the context of a cutback, the movement of that cutback is more important than the idea of power. 
A cutback is a type of twist. And if you slam the tail during that twist, you're going to slow down. The tail of most of your boards have a sharp edge to disengage and part the water. This then allows you to transition from rail to rail or end a turn. Whereas the rail halfway up your board is meant to hold and keep you in the turn. So by slamming the tail, you're saying, I want to disengage. And if you think about that a little bit deeper as well, and you try and think back to a lot of cutbacks, it's smooth. It's an even amount of power, which is held through the movement. There's no one part of it where you suddenly need to push at 130% effort. It's consistency. It's moving well, holding the maneuver longer. That's what's going to create power. That's why power is an illusion. If you hold a cutback for one second, it's going to look weak. If you hold it for four or five on a bigger wave, it's going to look amazing. You're going to throw so much more spray purely down by how well you do that movement, where you do it on the wave, and how long you hold it for, what the situation allows you to do. So movement then is key. Moving efficiently, moving with control, and using the rail to maintain speed and flow is more important. Regardless of what you're riding, what style of surfing you're doing, move better and more fluidly, and your cutback will be much better. If you take this concept of moving more efficiently and power and pushing too hard and not moving consistently through a movement into surf skating, you can start to see some of the issues with beginner surfers and skaters. This disconnect, like I spoke last week, body not being aligned, and then all of a sudden suddenly wanting to slam the back foot, slide the wheels out, and everything just goes wrong. That's the whole point of this. That's the trap. You want to go out there and do a massive cutback, a backhand snap, but you're not moving well. You're not moving efficiently. You probably don't know how to do the movement. And now all of a sudden you want to slam in extra power into your back foot and try and kick this board around. It just doesn't work that way. You need to build up to those kind of levels of degrees of difficulty. So for most surf skaters, if you want to do something better, move more efficiently. Figure out how to make that a more efficient movement rather than, I want that to look more critical. So talking about surf skaters and this way of trying to do these big maneuvers then leads into the next part, which is trying too hard is going to hold your surfing back. And you might have done this yourself. Maybe you've gone out for a surf with a clear goal or something you must try to do. You want to paddle out and have a big go at something in your surfing. And we suggest that a lot of the times at Ombia. It's a whole guide on it, picking one thing to focus on. But there are differences and levels to it. Like everything, there's nuances. There's right ways to do this and wrong ways. What I'm referencing here is not when you go out to try and do something. It's when you force something to happen. This is the wrong approach. When you force something, you put too much pressure on yourself or parts of the movement. Nothing flows, nothing's smooth. So by forcing those things, the efficiency of movement goes out the window and it comes down to accentuating something. And most likely what you end up doing is moving worse. And, or you're bringing in stress and tension into your surfing. So now you've suddenly done everything wrong because you're trying too hard. So there's an easy way to do this. And if you want to move more efficiently, you can release tension and stress, removing the physical blockers, stopping you from moving easily. 
This can be fear or anything that makes you anxious, anxious, external life pressures, things outside of surfing that you bring in before you even started. Or the other method is learning how to move more efficiently, learning the correct technique and just trying to simplify those movements rather than trying to force it to happen. So I want to give you some tips on how to make sure you don't try too hard to force something to happen. Go out with a purpose and focus on one thing that you want to improve on, but don't put that on a pedestal. Don't make that so high that everything becomes about that. You're out there to have fun and success is never guaranteed. Failure is accepted and all you're going to do is go out there and try that maneuver or skill if the opportunity arises. Don't try to manufacture it. Match it to the conditions. To give you an example of this then, if you want to work on getting barreled, closeouts are a great day to work on that. It's very likely you're going to get a heap of opportunities. High tide mush, crumbly waves, is not a good opportunity to work on your barrel riding. So sure, those two conditions are really easy to pick apart and they're at opposite ends. But understand what you want to do and what the conditions allow you to do. If that gives that day gives you so many opportunities, then you can let it happen. Don't go forcing going right on a day when it's 95% lefts. We've all done it. I've done it. We have biases of which way we want to go and we see an opportunity. Don't force those days and say, I'm going to go out and work surfing frontside for all the right-handers, even though the beach is only breaking left. You want to think of this as you're going with the flow of the waves and conditions. Respond to what the wave is telling you to do and don't force the wave to do what you want it to do. So to give you some other examples of this, you can pick big days when you just want to work on your takeoff and bigger surf, steeper sections, late takeoffs. There's so many ways that they're so situational. If you want to work on, I guess, doing more maneuvers or making sure that you hit sections, a day of closeouts can make sure that you don't spend the day kicking out and instead you just try something because you're going to get a section breaking Whereas a day where it's mushy and shouldery and there isn't much going on, you may not get much of a section. You may race ahead, whereas a closeout may give you more opportunities. It's about understanding where you're at and you're surfing, what you're capable of doing, what you're riding, all that nuance, and just thinking, is this a day I can work on this or is that going to make me stressed? Am I end up going to making myself stressed by forcing this to happen? And that's it. When you just let things happen, it happens easier. You move more freely. If you want to test that, tense up your body right now and just try and move. Just twist, whatever it is, do something and understand that that tension is going to restrict your movement badly. The next part actually came off the question from the Power Zone episodes, maybe a month or a bit back now. And that came from Christina from the Omni community. So the questions you guys do send in do find their way into episodes and I am considering doing listener mail, anything like that, that some of the questions are real short and they find their way into an episode like this where they fit and some can fill out a whole episode. But the feedback that you guys give me 
directly influences what I'm going to talk about. And the final trap that most intermediate surfers that I had this chat with Christina about it and I realized I needed to talk about this because it was missing from the bottom power zones episode and that's to not overpower the wave. Waves aren't solid. They have power, which is roughly based from the size of the wave, how quickly they break, how they're standing up, and from the swells period. The idea of this is you're not going to go and lean hard on a bottom turn for waist-high, soft, mushy waves that are barely standing up. You won't put the same amount of effort into the bottom turn as you would on head-high waves, and waves that have a long period that are breaking with a well-defined shape to them. If you bottom turn too hard on a wave with no power, you're going to overpower it, resulting in you bogging a rail or face planting. So you may remember that I also recommend to find the extremes of your bottom turn. And that's 100%, but that's you learning how to find the limits and find what feels and get movement and exaggerate the movements to feel them. But when you're past that pay stage, you need to match the power of the wave. And overpowering the wave when you're trying to feel out your bottom turn, learning how to lean, anything like that is perfect. But after that, you need to focus on matching the power of the wave to flow with it. That's what we're chasing. This takes time and experience, feeling it out. There's no formula or anything like that. Everything in surfing requires you to feel it out. Try to make sense of that feeling and adapt. So swell periods are really interesting. And they come into this concept of not overpowering the wave as it's a rough idea of how much this power is in the swell. And you can see that ahead of your session. You can have a rough understanding if you're really struggling with this. And it also links back with not overpowering the wave of just suddenly stamping the back tail. It's about matching that movement, moving efficiently, tapping into the wave's power, not overpowering it. So the swell period just Briefly, for those who may not know, because a lot of people don't dive too much into forecasting, it's that number next to the swell period, next to the swell height, sorry. And it's a number in seconds. It's just measuring the time between swell lines. And short periods tend to be wind swell coming from short distances, and they're usually single-digit numbers. Ground swell, which is associated with longer periods, is a much deeper, faster swell line approaching the shore. Typically, ground swells travel from a much longer distance and they produce better surf. The longer that period is, the more power that swell has and the faster they'll be moving. A 20-second period moves at approximately 30 knots, whereas a 10-second period moves at approximately 15 knots. So what do we then do with this information? When you read your forecast, you'll see the forecast and can make some assumptions based on the period and the swell size. You'll understand, is this going to be a day when the waves are moving fast? Is there going to be a lot of power behind them? Should I be going out and trying to work on really deep bottom turns? Or do I need to work on shallow, gentle ones? You also need to apply this to your local break, understanding the tides, everything else that's going on, and just making a guess at what this allows you to do. So if you know that it's more power, you can lead harder on your bottom turns. You can push a bit more, but you need to be careful to make sure that you're not overpowering the wave. Because when you do, you're just going to bog a rail. If you're like me and sometimes you ride a single fin, 
you ride a single fin without your inner fin, if you overpower the wave on a bottom turn, your middle fin, the only fin you've got, blows out. It looks horrible. It feels horrible. It gives you a lot of feedback for a learning experience. But if you're beyond that learning experience and you're trying to work deeper into it, it's incredibly frustrating. So you need to match the wave's power and not try and fight it. So these three traps, pushing too hard, not moving efficiently, and overpowering the wave. Rather than surfing the wave and using its energy that it gives you, you're spending your time fighting the wave. You aren't in sync with it. You're not surfing to the conditions, and this is going to constantly hold you back. So instead of working on what you can, doing what the wave tells you once you do, you're forcing things to happen. When we force things to happen, we don't move well, and it can be the wrong time to do that movement, which can impact the feeling or learning experience that you get from that session or movement. So in summary, don't fall into these usual traps or intermediates. Don't overdo movements by accentuating just one part of that movement. Learn to move more efficiently for the whole movement. Improve parts of it that make you move better and not overdo one part that changes the movement. So if you think back to the trigger words episode, so much of that is about improving parts of it that get you to move more efficiently. It's not about suddenly moving with your back foot to 130% effort. It's that you're currently at 50% effort of twisting So we're introducing a trigger word that helps you twist more efficiently. That's how that works. Then make sure that you relax. Don't try too hard. Match what you're working on to what the conditions will allow you to do. Don't force things to happen. Let them flow and respond to the conditions. Finally, don't overpower the wave. Tap into it and use the wave's energy rather than fighting it. Understand when to lean hard and when you need a softer approach to suit the conditions. Remember, you're surfing the wave, not your surfboard. By understanding these three parts, you'll be able to progress your surf easier than simply trying to make things always happen and manufacture it. When you manufacture your surfing, it doesn't look good and it doesn't feel good. When you flow, everything happens more smooth, you look smoother, your surfing becomes easier. So does that help you understand some of these traps? Is this something that you think you may be actually falling into or something that you've been doing for ages and you've been trying to break through from it? As always, you can get in touch with me or anyone else from Ombi. You can email us at info at ombi.co. You can head to the website and find the in-depth The Surfing Podcast page and you can leave a contact form there. You can get in touch, leave an episode suggestion, want to collaborate, community highlight, all of that. I'd love to hear from you. I really do want to push these community highlights. There's a lot of amazing stories going on in the community. So if you think you've got something that you can share that can help that learning experience for everyone else, or just make them feel not alone, I'd love to hear. I'd love to know about it. I'd love to know how this is helping your surfing. If you're new to Ombi and you want to improve your surfing, in the show notes for this, you'll find the full guide for this and many more. But you'll also find the Ombi Method PDF. If you want to download that, find out about the foundations of surfing, the fundamentals, and you can start moving more effectively. What I've been talking about for the last couple episodes, it's so key just to being a smarter surfer. And when you start thinking about it more clearly and can understand it, it opens up that progression path so much quicker. Next week, 
I want to talk to you about progression-based training. This is something that's not so obvious in surfing and it's all about breaking down movements into the steps that you can learn. This connects heavily to trigger words and just kind of helps you figure out what to work on. What's the 1% little improvements? Now, I have pre-recorded this episode and next week's episode. I, at the time of recording, I'm traveling back to Australia, which is very exciting. Uh, so this may or may not be the next episode. It is subject to change. So at the time of recording, if that's changed, I apologize, but it's just helped me navigate that moving halfway around the world, quarantines, navigating all that kind of stuff. But it's a very exciting episode. If it doesn't come next, it'll be the one after that. So until then, you'll either have some content with me back with the rest of the Bombi, which is very exciting. I'm so happy to, to see everyone again. Or you'll have the planned out episode I've pre-recorded. Till then, I'll see you next time.